is like an uphill climb, a continuous journey toward the peak. We all face our own struggles, each unique and challenging. In Romans 8.37, we are assured that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. With faith and with perseverance, we can conquer any uphill climb. Your journey may be tough, but victory awaits those who keep moving uphill. Good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Come on. You excited to be here? I'll tell you, I'm excited to hear from God. That's why I, I'm always, every time we have Sunday morning gatherings, I, I, God, what are you going to say today? What are you going to do? And there's a very big difference between the presence of God and the active presence of God. Let me illustrate this way. If you're here today, I am so glad that you're here, but I don't want to waste your time, and I certainly don't want to waste God's time. I want to get right to it. Let's meet with God. Let's hear from God, and let's do what God told us to do and be what God called us, called us to be, right? When I was in... Amen? Okay. What? I hope the sun, I hope when we open the door, second hour, the sun comes out. I think we need the warmth of the sun to wake us up a little bit. When I was in junior high, I, um, I had a crush on, on, her name was Lisa Oldham. And I remember sitting in um, grammar, um, uh, English class. I sat in the back. She sat like in the third row. I still remember. It's weird how you remember these things. And I like locked eyes on her and I thought, man, we're going to go out. We're going to go to the last dance at junior high. We're going to get married. We're going to get a big house and have raised goats and sheep and horses and stuff and have this big ranch and all these things, you know, in junior high, you think about that stuff. And so I got the guts up enough to ask her if she would go to the very last dance and so, um, of the school year. So I remember eighth grade, seventh grade school year as we were at the last dance, she came out to where I was. Her parents picked up back in the day. Remember, you didn't have cars and stuff. Your parents picked you up. So I remember getting into the car, and she leaned over as her parents were pulling up, and she kissed me right here, right here. And I'm like, whoa, this is it. Where's the ring? Like, the active presence is different than just being in their presence. I, I want the active presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about a tough subject today, and if you're with us for the first time, I, I just want you to know out of the get-go that God loves you. I believe he's got a plan. I believe you're not here by accident, but we are talking about the subject of money, and anytime we bring up that word money, we just get funny about church and money. I understand that. My heart goes out to that because I realize that unfortunately over the years, the Big C Church has taken that concept of money and done some really weird and wacky things with it. That's not my intent. That's not our heart. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. So let's pray. Father, we so desperately want you. We want you more than anything else in this world, God. Our passion, our heart, our, the longing of our spirit, God, is to connect with you and to have that active presence for you to speak, for us to have the courage and the boldness to step up and, and do what you're calling us to do, God to follow where you're calling us to follow you. And Jesus, we pray for our nation. We pray, God, for this area in South County. That we recognize, God, that our only hope is you, Jesus. Our only hope is more of you and the Holy Spirit moving through us, bringing a revival back to the church, God, bringing an awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ to people who need it, Lord. I pray, God, my last prayer is we praying together that we will never forget where we came from. And we were stinking, rotten sinners. You know that, God. And we're so grateful that you gave us an opportunity to repent and turn back to you. And you've changed us, Lord. You're still changing us. And to anybody here today, God, that just feels like 
far away from you or they've blown it or too far gone or have relapsed too many times. God, we recognize we relapse every day back into something. And we're grateful, God, that your love, your grace never has an expiration date. We love you, God. We pray you do something in our midst. I pray somebody get delivered today. Somebody's changed. Somebody get saved today, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles. You ready now? Okay, all right. right, You guys here in the front, you're ready. So I'll just, you know what? I'm just going to sit right here. I'll just (laughs) preach to you guys, right? Luke 21. Luke 21. My wife and I have an ongoing argument. Those of you that are married for more than a week, there are ongoing arguments that we have, aren't there? My wife will say, um, or text me, she's upstairs, I'm downstairs. Do you guys do this? My wife will text me, I'm downstairs, I'm just talk, no, I want to text. So she texts me, can you go pick up another gallon of milk? So I go into, I know how this goes, we do this all the time. I go into the refrigerator, open the door, and there's a gallon of milk there, and there's an expiration date on that gallon of milk. And the expiration date is today. So I yell back up to her and I say, It's still fine. She goes, it's not fine. I don't want sour milk. I don't want to get sick. I said, the expiration date is not the real expiration date. And I can prove it to you. Can we put the on the screen here? Dr. Oz did a show on the expiration date and what that really means. You want to know what that expiration date really means? Sell by, when it says sell by, how long the, 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 the item is on display Used by is the peak quality, and best by is the flavor. It's not going to get you sick. Here's, I quote Dr. Oz. I, I, there's a five-minute video. We're not going to watch it, but I just wanted to bring this up because, well, I'll tell you when I'm done with it, why I'm talking about this. None of these indicate when the food will spoil by. God doesn't have an expiration date with you. He's not expired Every single day, the Bible says, his mercies are new every morning. I think uh, maybe some of us have walked into this place, or some moments we feel like we're in a season of life where, God, it's expired. You can't forgive me one more time. You can't heal me one more time. You can't restore me. I've blown it too many times, God, and how many times can you keep forgiving me and restoring me and filling me and using me, God? And God says, I have no expiration date. It goes on and on and on. And because of that, why I bring that up? is because there's a woman that we're going to look at here in the temple court of the women back in the day when Jesus was on his last week of being here on earth before he was crucified. She was all in. She was absolutely all in. So when we talk about, and because the word says we want to teach clearly the word of God, when it talks about how do we handle our finances? What is generosity? What should we be giving back to God? That doesn't scare me. It doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't worry because I'm all in with Jesus. I'm all in. I'm totally committed. doesn't mean I'm perfect. doesn't mean I have it all together. I'm on a process with God to become more like him. And the more that I want to be more like him, I'm all in to say, God, whatever you have for me, I'm all in because I trust you. I don't want to trust my own life. I've lived for myself the first 18 years. I blew and wasted 18 years of my life because I was following me. And Jesus says, I love you so much. I'm going to take you out of the muck and the mire and all the stuff that you were doing that was complete rebellion against me. I'm going to save you. I'm going to change you. And God has changed my life. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I should be. I'm in the process of being wanting to be more like him. He is wanting to be more like Jesus. 
And if we really want to be more like Jesus, if we really want to see fire from heaven come down back in our society again, the fire of God, and when I say the fire of God, I mean the forgiveness and love and, and grace and mercy that everybody needs. Every single human being who's ever been born on this earth, we need the mercy of God. We've all gone astray, the Bible says, over and over and over again. It says we have gone astray. We have left the Lord. We have rebelled against him. We have turned against him. We have run away from him. We have stumbled. We have fallen away and fallen back. And he never gets tired of running to us with open arms and saying, come back. The reason this is so important is I think some of us are so stuck in a religious mindset. Religion has nothing to do with it. If there was one group of people that Jesus was so serious with and hard with, it was the religious people. The religious people of his day were looked down on every single person. They would judge everyone. They were hypocritical. They would know the word of God, but they wouldn't do the word of God. Their hearts were so far from God that they kept the people who were under them so far away from the Lord. That's why when Jesus came, thousands flocked to Jesus because he loved he was real. He was authentic. He was down in the streets with people. He rubbed up against the people that had issues and problems and suicidal thoughts and no hope and needed healing and broken marriages and couldn't figure life out and didn't know what was going to happen when they die. All those things that we struggle with as human beings. Jesus was in the middle of all that and he was active. His presence was active with people. I want him to be so active in your life. That at the end of these 20 minutes, you say, you know what, Mike, I'm all in with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with Jesus. And if that means, Lord, I have to rethink how I'm spending my money and generosity and all that, I'm willing. Because he knows what's best for us. Now, if you've been around our church for a while, you know this is not a hobby horse. This is not something that we just talk about it because we need your money. That's not what this is about. This is simply about total surrender, man. This is about total commitment. When the 12 walked with Jesus, when they followed him, they knew that he was king. They knew that Jesus was everything. They knew that he was God in flesh. I don't think they had a full understanding, but they knew. Peter was the first one to say in the middle of all the disciples, you are the Christ, you are the son of God. Remember that? And then the rest of them confessed, Jesus is God in all of humanity. And Jesus walked down the streets with those who were needy and poor and destitute and so lost and Jesus, on this three days before the crucifixion, he walks up to the temple. And as he walks uphill, life's not always easy. There is a death before there's a resurrection. If you're in a tough season now of life, if you're in moments of question or moments of, God, I don't like what I'm having to do right now. I don't like the season of life. I just want to encourage you, hang on, because at every cross, there's a crown. And if we're willing to hang in there, Jesus was willing to go to the cross and die, he was uphill. And that place of the temple was a special place. It was a place for the Jewish nation to call their own. It was a place where they came to worship. It was a place where they came for a national identity. It was a place where literally the Ark of the Covenant was housed in a very special place in the temple. It was a place where the Holy Scriptures were kept. And it was a place of sacrifice. I wanted to just show a picture here before we read the text. Because I, I found that when I read the Bible, I want to know what's behind what I'm reading. This was the temple 
and what the surroundings uh, looked like back in the day. This is when Jesus was on earth. There were the courts, you notice here, the court of the Gentiles, and then there was the women's court, and then there was the actual temple building. This, as we read in Luke 21, is where um, this scenario, this text is going to take place right here. If you were non-Jewish, okay, um, you would have to stay in this court area here. You could not go in past these walls. Women who were Jewish could go into the temple area, but they could only go into the women's court. Now, if you were male or female you could, and Jewish, you could go and as far in as you want. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies, but um, the women's court was there just for women to go into. Now, why did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> But one of the things I love about Jesus is when he came, because in that society, women were seen as less than. When Jesus came to the woman at the well, do you remember John chapter 4? He liberated this woman to see that Jesus is the Messiah, that God loves her, and that God created her to be a servant and to be a follower of the Messiah, just as he did for men, men and women. Amen? So this is what it would have looked like. This is what it would have been like. The court of the Gentiles, the court of women, and then there were a court of the priests. We won't get to that. And there were 13. I want you to see them with me. There were receptacles, and there were jars about maybe this, this high. And when you went into that courtyard area, as there were 13, the first seven of the receptacles were for, labeled as regular giving. That was a regular giving that they would bring to the temple. Then 8 through 13 receptacles were a free will offering. And the chambers were silent. It was quiet. And then there were two coins that were dropped into one of the receptacles. So we're going to read the text now and see what an incredibly precious moment this is. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. They also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. The reason this says poor widow, it wasn't poor widow, poor her. It's just that in that culture, if there was a husband and wife and the husband passed away, there wasn't any way culturally for her to make money to sustain her life of, of, lifestyle of living with her husband. So she was poor, literally didn't have much. Okay? Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. When it comes to money, we get nervous, don't we? Because we work for it, we've strived for it, we've learned about it, we've um, done everything we possibly can to save it, and that's good, and spending it, and using it, hopefully, for how God wants me to use it. But there's a couple things that I see out of here in your notes that just are observations, and then I want to get into what I think Jesus was taking a moment, an incredible moment of somebody's heart, and he wanted the disciples to know this is what commitment means. So number one is Jesus sees our giving because it says he was at the temple. He noticed, right? He was right there. Physically, he observed what was going on. I, I, 
I don't know, um, when I read Bible sections like this, I ask questions. Jesus, where were you sitting? What were you wearing? What was everybody doing? How many people were there? We don't know all of that, but I suspect because of some of the readings that I've done in the context of this is that Jesus was very unassuming in some context. He might have been sitting off to the side, and he noticed what was going on. God desires our obedience in giving. I believe that. He, he desires for us to be in right relationship with him. And then number three is, God loves our giving when it comes from a pure heart. God loves that. So Jesus pauses for a moment, and he says to the disciples, guys, come over here. I want to share something with you. This woman um, gave from her heart. She gave up everything she had. But the others who came to give gave, gave out of the leftovers of what they had. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this. Whoever loves money never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of it, the chasing after it, the lusting after it, the more and more craving for more. But God gives us a wonderful teaching and totally different perspective about how money can be used for his kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with buying things that we need and buying things that we want. Luke 6.38, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Acts 20, 35, Jesus also said these words. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. I think what... Jesus is getting at here is that um, there's a principle that if we're generous and understand and the teachings that we've had in the past years about giving and managing our money is that when we come from a generous heart to give back to the Lord and give to others in need, not for going taking care of our families because that's important, taking care of the needs that we have, but I think there's a principle that he wanted us to get that when our heart is engaged in his active presence in regards to our finance, God will always take care of us back. He'll always take care. I, over the years of, of following Jesus and being married to my wife, Laura, we have never, ever gone without. Never. Have there been some things that I would like to have? Yeah. Have there been some things that I didn't buy because I knew it was a sacrifice? to stay true to what God wanted me to stay true to with first fruits and first giving? Yes, it's okay. Now, if we're in modern day terms with all this, I just want to paint a picture for you here at MVCC. There are 13 receptacles up. And as we're worshiping, some churches do this. As the worship is going on, some would come up and just give money during the worship time. They would give their offering to the Lord. We're not going to do that, but um, some churches are in the practice of doing that. Elon Musk decides to visit MVCC. He has to, happens to watch online. 
And he says, you know what? I'm in the area. I'm going to come to Mission Vale Christian Church. And Elon Musk comes up, and he drops in $10 million. Well, I thought there'd be some clapping on that. Wow, right? $10 million is nothing for Elon Musk, right? And then there's a guy who I met coming down the stairs years ago from building number three here. His name is Russell. Russell's an, um, and he's very open about his testimonies. Um, full-blown alcoholic, struggles with alcohol all his life. And as he was coming, he was coming down the stairs from an AA meeting. It was when the AA organization asked, could we use uh, your building facility to, to help people who are looking for recovery? Absolutely. This is God's house. Everybody's welcome in God's house. So, um, yeah, I thought there'd be another amen and praise the Lord and clapping on that one. Okay. So as he's coming down the stairs, he says, um, I should come to church here. I should visit. I met Russell for the very first time right here on the first row as he came in. He's telling me the story about how he got here. From the moment I met this guy named Russell, you just, he's just a big teddy bear. You just love this guy. He's got this big heart, big laugh. He talks with a Kentucky kind of twang. He just, he just draws you in and you just feel at home. You feel like you've been friends. You know, you meet certain people, you feel like you've been friends for years. That was Russell Long. And so um, as he was coming to services, I asked him one morning, I said, Russell, have you given your life completely to Jesus? He says, well, no, but I need to do that. I said, yeah, you need to do that, so let's do that. And then he gets baptized, gives his whole life, and his whole life is just absolutely changed. Well, it was about um, uh, a few months later, I said, Russell, I want to come over to your house, man. I want to just hang with you. I want to know your story, because he was a professional race car driver. So he invited me up to his place. It was right off Felicia and Tribuco, right behind the CVS back there. And so um, when I went in there, he had incredible furniture. He had cars. He had this nice house all to himself. He had a backhoe business. And um, one of the things I remember he had is this dog named Shacker Dog, named it after Shack. And so um, I sat down on the couch, and he starts, um, he says, Pastor Mike, I want you to have this huge uh, uh, piece of furniture he had. I don't remember exactly what it was. I want you to have this. I said, no, Russell, I didn't, I didn't come here to take your stuff. I don't, I don't want your stuff. This is your stuff. He said, well, it's okay. I don't really need all this stuff. And he was giving. He just decided to give. He decided God was first. And so he gave every week, every month, however he decided to give. It was about that time that 2008, remember, the big recession hit? And unfortunately, because his backhoe business, all construction, remember, went down the tubes, and I, 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 all seriousness, he lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his cars. He had an old uh, Chevy Caravan and Shacker Dog. And that's all he had, sleeping on a friend's couch. And it wasn't because of any mismanagement. It was just those tough times he owed on his house like everybody does. And he lost it all because of his income. Stopped. And I remember he would come in Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I'd just, you know, give him a big hug, as we all did here if you were during that time, because you just love Russell. I said, Russell, how you doing, man? Come on, let's pray. What's going on? He says, well, it's tough. And he'd talk about his financial difficulties and Social Security and all these things. And then he says, well, here's all I have in my pocket right now. And he says, I'm just going to give it to the Lord. And I, I remember saying, Russell, you don't have to do that, because it was dollars at the time. I said, you don't have to do that, man. You don't have enough. Let us take care of you. And he insisted every time we had this conversation, I'm just going to give back. The good Lord's been, he always said, the good Lord's been good to me. I want to give back to him. And then he, in that context, he would say, I love what's happening here at MVCC. People here have changed my life. He would talk about the people. He would talk about you. 
It wasn't the amount of money, but it was the sacrifice that this poor widow caught the attention of God. You know, I've been praying for a long time that somebody would give a million dollars to Missionville Christian Church. In all seriousness, I've been praying for that for a while. Because I, 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 it's not just about taking care of what we have, but there's something bigger that I believe God wants to do. I, I do believe that. I have seen visions of what thousands and thousands of people getting saved and finding Jesus and finding life again and getting connected to God and community and people getting delivered and change, life change. That's what it's all about. I have seen that. And so it's not just storing up for a rainy day. I believe that God wants to do something big. And, and some of that is connected to finance. That's why back in the day when we looked at the temple, they literally had to have those finances so the temple could continue to be a place for people to come and connect with God. So, so it's not bad to give to God. It's good to give to God because it puts everything in right perspective. Now, the person who gives $2.57, like Russell did on some Sundays, is just as heartfelt and just as big as the $1 million gift. I mean that, and I'm all serious about that. I believe that. That's what Jesus was wanting to accomplish with the disciples. Because the religious people were all about the amount of money. I see them with their big bags and all the coins. Can you hear all the coins hitting the receptacle at the bottom? And they would shake it and shake it and shake it and shake it because they wanted everybody to see. That's not God. That's not love. That's not grace. That's not coming from the heart. That's all about their own life. And I don't want us to be like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to hold on to something and then give God the leftovers. I want to say, God, you're so important to me. You are number one that you get the first fruits. And I trust you, God. John 3.16 says, for God so loved that he gave. Jesus is our example, so we follow what Jesus does. Jesus was a giver. God is a giver. And the reality is, it cost us something. I, I don't want to... Um, placate. I certainly don't, would never want to deceive or misinterpret or have anything misinterpreted here that I realize that we are strapped here in MVCC financially just because we live in this place called the OC. I, I get it. It's hard. A lot of us are living paycheck to paycheck. And, and I, I understand that for some of us, it is a grind. It's difficult. What I want to say is this, anything worth having, there is a cost and there is a sacrifice. Those of you that are married, you know that marriage some, it costs you. There's a sacrifice. Parenting. You give and 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 sometimes you feel like there's nothing coming back. In your career, in your friendships, you give. There's a cost. There's a sacrifice to anything worth having. So why do I take that equation out of one of the most important things? Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, he talked more about money in the New Testament than any other subject. It's, it's amazing to me. And I think the reason for that is because he knew that the love of money and the chasing after money will rule our lives and it'll unfortunately put us in a wrong perspective of who God is. Now, this regular giving, the one through seven right here, and then the eight through 13, I want to talk about the one through seven. Can we? Hey, regular giving means that I just give what God has uh, inspired or, or spoken or um, led us to give, that's a regular giving to 
the Lord, Malachi chapter three, and the Lord works through his people and works through the church. Even though the church is not perfect, we realize nobody's perfect, but I'm a firm believer that whatever church you are a part of, this is your church family, wherever you are, that you should trust the leadership. If you don't trust the leadership, then get to a place where you can. And if you can't because of whatever reasons, then there's a lot of really good churches, great churches. But I, I don't believe that we should give reluctantly. Like, I know I'm supposed to give to the Lord, but I give this. But I'm not really sure what they're doing with all that money. I'm not really sure that somebody's not pilfering and taking out and for themselves, and there's some funny business going on. Does, does that make sense? You should know where your money's going. That's, that's good. Jesus says count the cost before you build a house. So the one through seven regular giving, I love MVCC. I loved MVCC from the time I was 17 and a half. It was my second church I ever been to. I went to Calvary Chapel when I got saved in Costa Mesa. I lived right over here and I said, I don't want to drive to Costa Mesa. I was in high school. I don't want to drive there every Sunday, but I'll try that little church on the corner, Missionville Christian Church. And from the moment I stepped foot on this campus, man, it just felt like home. People are loving. People are kind. There's grace. There's the power of God. Life changed. People are getting saved. People are growing in the Lord. All those components of a healthy church. And I love this place. I love, can I tell you, I love the fact that we have a property. And the reason I love the fact that we have property so much more is because I have the privilege of rubbing against some shoulders of pastors here in the OC who don't have a building. And they drive up a camper behind the school and every Sunday they're unloading and setting up for church and then resetting again. And my heart goes out to those pastors. My heart goes out to those churches. That's hard you got to get volunteers to unpack and pack and set it up and retake it down. And it never feels like home. And where are people during the week? You can't really connect. There's no home base. That's why I've always said to pastors, guys, if you need a place for your meetings, if you need a place for leadership, whatever it is, you come use our place. We're not going to charge you. This is God's place. I love the fact that we have mission kids and where we are right now. Because Jesus loves the little children, doesn't he? And I love, have you noticed the last about six months, there's hundreds now kids running on the grass in between services, children running down the hallways and parents dropping off. Have you seen strollers around this place? Look, I I love those of us that are older. I love seasons of life that change. But if we don't reach this generation now, we will just be a strip mall in 20 years. And that would be a sad state for the church of Jesus Christ. We've got to reach the younger families. We want everybody, but we have to reach them because they're going to take the baton onto the next generation. Does that make sense? I love student ministries, pastors. I love that God has called you full-time, dude, to serve and love students and help people be raised up and become leaders for Jesus Christ with our young people. If there's ever a time that junior high, high school, and young adults need Jesus, it's now. I just heard this morning we were talking, one of our pastors on staff has a friend that a 16-year-old died because of fentanyl use. And that's not new news, unfortunately. This is happening all over. Kids are killing themselves. They have no purpose. They, can't even, they don't even know what gender they are now because the enemy is absolutely so deceptive. There's bad stuff going on, and we've got to help these kids to know Jesus loves you. He loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose. And that's why we pour resources and money into staff that can equip others who feel the same calling to reach kids. I love our pastors on staff. I love our ministry team. We are like family. I just, I just want to tell you that it's not just we come in here nine to five work. Hey, how's it going, dude? Okay, good. Did you get that done? All right, get that thing on my desk. We're like hanging out watching Lakers games together. 
even though they don't win now, but we're, we're, we're watching Lakers games and eating hot wings together because we're, we're connecting, we're family, we're in this thing together. There's all in spirit. I love our young at heart ministry. There's a young at heart Thursday group that meets here every single Thursday on our campus. That's 55 and older. I want to tell you, if you ever want to visit or hang out with these folks, every time I walk over there and spend some time, I'm like, these people have walked with Jesus, some of them 50, 60, 70, some of them 80 years. And they know what it means to go through difficult times and still love God with all your heart. There, there's a wealth of knowledge and experience there. I look, can I just tell you that, uh, um, and I don't mean this judgmentally, but I feel sorry for churches that sit dark all week and then Sunday morning have services. Every single day here, there's, this building is in use. This property is in use. There's 150 little ones in preschool that come get a Christian education, which if there's ever a time for preschoolers to be in a Christian preschool, it is now. And we have staff that love God and have a preschool. On our second campus, we have kindergarten through eighth grade. If there's ever a time in the public school system and we need more Christian schools, it's now. And can I tell you, there is not one spot left in our school. We are completely filled. There's a waiting list. Over 525 kids attend MVCS, a Christian school where teachers can pray with children. They bring a Bible to school. There's chapel every Wednesday and Friday. They're learning about Jesus. They're learning about accepting God and loving others and what it really means to follow Jesus. And I tell you that I absolutely love MVCC for another reason. We have a kids club that was started so many years ago that reaches the children in the public school system who both mom and dad work or they're single parents and they would either sit at home after school and do this on the video games all day afternoon or they get in trouble or they go down to a place and get in trouble with their friends in junior high and grade school. We have those white vans and we have a staff that goes and picks those children up from the public school, brings them back here to help them with their homework, uh, tell them that they're valuable to God. They're introduced to the good news of Jesus Christ. Most of them are public school families who don't know the Lord, and they drive up on our campus to pick up their little ones at 6 p.m., and they think, maybe we should go to church here. I, I, I say all that to say, I love you. We love you. We are family, man. That's why talking about money doesn't scare me. It doesn't bother me. And if you don't like it, I, I'm, I, that's okay. I, I'm talking about money because, first of all, Jesus taught on it. And it's important that we get our hearts right before God with what we have. I love MVCC. And because I love MVCC, we want to do well. We're a good church, but I want us to be a great church. Meaning, I'm never satisfied with, okay, we're arrived. We, we've pretty much accomplished everything. I'm thinking, this, every inch of this campus is used Monday through Friday, uh, Monday through Sunday. But if we just, well, it's just, we have what we have, and that's cool. Oh, I'm thinking, Lord, if, if you're bigger than anything else. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. And if we're already maxed out in everything, that doesn't mean we've reached every person. So God, maybe there's another piece of property. I, I think like that. And possibly Royals Donuts is going to come up again, and we may be able to buy that. But unfortunately, that stuff takes money to do that. And it's not about buildings, and it's not about money. It's about life change. So at MVCC, we want to do this well. We have a responsibility in this one through seven category of the receptacles. We have a responsibility, the elder, board, team, and myself, that we want to make sure that we are doing things with integrity, doing things honestly, and most of all, pleasing the Lord with what we believe he's directed us to do, to equip you to be the agents of change in society. So I, I, I just want to say out of the get-go, nobody's pilfering. Nobody's, nobody's like 
dude, I need more money. Can you just write me a check? I don't even write checks here on purpose because I want to stay above board because it's important to me that we honor Jesus with what we have. We can't, and we don't, I've just said, we don't frivolously just spend money like, oh, let's just uh, redo this and redo that. If we don't have the money, oh, no, no, it'll just come. No, we want to count the cost. I'm, I'm just sharing with you the mindset that we have. So I wanted to share with you that first through seven receptacles. Are you still with me? Okay, nobody, nobody, I, nobody's left the building yet, right? Here's, here's our financial plan for MVCC. And it's going to go over this, it's not, not in much detail, but I want to give you an overview. And by the way, our budget financial plan we do every year according to the bylaws is open to anybody. You can you ask questions, you can take a look at it. Basically, here's what it is. Um, we have uh, our plan, financial plan for 23-24 involves ministry teams, meaning pastors, leaders on staff. If, if, we, if we were not able to do this full time, and I just want to say thank you that, that we together, those of you that have MVCC in your heart and your home and you regularly give here, I just want to say thank you that I don't have to drive delivering pizzas during the week and kind of squeeze in ministry or go work a second job. I'm willing to do that and I've had to do that in the past, but it's, it's hard because then I don't get to spend time giving you the word in the best way possible. And our pastors on staff, if, if, if Pastor Zach was, you know, delivering Pizza Hut and, um, you know, um, doing courier work and then slide in on Wednesdays, the youth program on Wednesdays would be kind of half-baked. If Becky, we didn't have the funds to give Becky, Pastor Becky to do mission kids, she would probably have six volunteers. I think she has over 53 volunteers right now. And that, ta- that takes time to build that volunteer base. So, so ministry team, that goes for that. Um, mission kids, we don't want, you know as well as I do, kids, we are competing with the world and social media. So it's no longer just come to the ice cream social on Wednesday night and everybody's happy. You, you, you have to reach down into the hearts of those kids and we have to think creatively, how can we get kids excited about coming to church? It's not just putting a sign out and everybody just comes. Those days are over. That was like the 50s and 60s in America, right? Those days are gone. So there's finances that go into mission kids. Student ministries, same thing. Students need a place to hang out. They need a community, a place where they're connecting with others. And so that requires finances to make it the best possible way that... Pastor Zach is our expert. He says, I think this is what we need to do to reach this generation. So we work with what we have to be able to provide a place so that they can minister to kids. Our young at heart ministry, I've mentioned about that, are 55 and older. Um, they um, go on outings. They're not just sitting here singing some old hymns. They do sing the hymns, but they're going on out. They're doing things together. The community is happening. It's wonderful. Um, Our desire is that you grow here in your relationship with Jesus. So Pastor Scott on staff here has worked up a plan, a wonderful plan called Life Groups, D12, Next Steps, Starting Point, all those things. It takes time and curriculum and all that to put that together. And then the best part of it is you get to be involved in that for those who feel called to be a part of his team. And again, that takes time. Our Sunday morning services, and I want to say this for everyone. Everyone is welcome here. Whether they're atheist, whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim, whether they're uh, whatever. whatever everyone's welcome because we believe that the power of Jesus Christ can change anyone. Amen. The gospel is for everyone. So everyone's welcome. That means we can't just turn on the lights and just plug in the sound and um, what songs are we going to do today and who's going to preach. It's, it's well-crafted. It takes a lot of time to put all this together. One of the things, I'll be honest with you, is these lights and things that we have, that's not for show. 
That's not to make the person up here look good. There's nothing you can do to make this person look good. But what this is good for is that when those who watch online, which our world is changing quickly, everything's online. If we don't have a well-crafted service so they can connect, you can connect online and see what's happening because we want people to connect with God. Some of that takes money and finances to do that. Um, I'm running out of time here, but the, the reaching the community thing. Um, this is something that's been on our heart is that we don't just sit here in the building, that we go out and reach the community and love people in Jesus' name. And so there's some projects and things that we're setting up with our city so that you can get involved. And we also want to teach and encourage you to reach your next door neighbor and love people. And again, that takes resources to equip you and put those tools in your hands. And then, of course, there's life crisis. Some of you come to me and say, Pastor Mike, can I come talk to you on Monday? Pastor Zach, I got this problem with my teenager. Pastor Scott, I got a problem with my marriage. Well, for sure, come on in. We don't say, well, I can only meet on Friday because I'm just you know, working certain hours. At Of course you can. Well, let's go in. Let's talk right now. Everyone has a crisis at some point in their life. This is what MVCC is about, is meeting someone at their crisis so that God can come and fill that void. Okay. Help with life decisions. Mental health is a huge issue here, so that means more counseling hours. We've had one of our visions is to have more of a counseling presence for those who don't come to church here so that we can help them in some of these issues so they can see that God can put everything back in your right mind together again. National Day of Prayer, Christmas and Easter services, service projects, 10%, everything you give here, 10% goes back to reach the world for Jesus Christ and global missions, and we get to support that. Um, we want to equip you to become life changers in your area of life. And then, of course, I mentioned our MVCC schools. You put all that together, and that's just, honestly, that's just a few things that are great things going on here because of great people and a great God. But I just want you to know that all of this is our passion. And I want you to continue to join with me in that passion. It's about life change. It's about people's lives being changed and saved for Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. Let me just real quick in closing tell you about a girl named Izzy. She's a high school student. She goes up to summer camp. By the way, summer camp, they take an entire week. They go up to Hume Lake, and this year they're going to um, another place. that um, What's the name of it? CIY, yeah, CIY. Izzy goes to camp and meets Jesus in such a powerful way that she feels not only led to serve him, but she feels led to be in a life group where Pastor Zach sets up these life groups among students, and she's getting real and honest and open with her faith and how she's feeling about things, and she's growing. And now as she's growing, she told Pastor Zach, you know what, I want to give back. I want to become a leader for junior high. So she's one of the key leaders now. If we didn't have finances to help people like that to get to camp, they never would have had that encounter with Jesus. And who knows what her life would have looked like in 20 years. Let me tell you about Jared from the Philippines. He's a young adult here. He's the, he is the just biggest heart. This guy is amazing. He moved from the Philippines two years ago, and he didn't know anybody. He didn't have any community, no family. He comes to Missionville Christian Church off an invitation two years ago, didn't know anyone, and MVCC now has become his family not only is his faith strengthened in Jesus Christ, but he's a leader for junior high ministries, which means he's alongside Zach and Jonathan to say, I want to serve junior high. Let me tell you really quick about a guy named Caleb. Caleb's a junior high, catch this. He's a junior high student. I don't know if you remember about eight months ago, he got baptized right out here at our baptistry, gave his life to Jesus. Junior high gave his life to Jesus Christ. That's why I'm a big proponent of bring your kids to church. Bring them to church. Who knows? They could find their spouse here at MVCC, which my kids did. Caleb gets baptized, gives his life to Jesus Christ, 
starting a prayer group at Newhart Junior High School right over here on La Paz for teachers and students. He's junior high. He's starting a prayer meeting at his junior high school. He found the vision because he's in youth ministry. Let me just real quick. There's two guys that got baptized two weeks ago. What, what, what were their names again? The two, the two young adults? Bryce and Johnny, those guys, man. But I did tell you, I kind of seen these guys and they kind of hands in their pockets, kind of quiet, feel like, oh, you know, this is my mom and dad's church, but not feeling like it's their church, which by the way, I think we're going to change the name of our church. This is not my parents' church. But anyway, <laughs> they're just real quiet guys, kind of reserved, very respectful. After they got saved and made a decision for Jesus Christ and baptism, I walked up to them on Sunday and said, how you guys doing, man? How you guys doing with God? They are lit up. I mean, in a good way, in the spirit. I mean, they are absolutely, they're just telling me, man, life is different. They just went on and on. I didn't even say anything. They just told me about how they're following Jesus now and how life has changed for them. That couldn't happen if we weren't all in. Generosity changes us, right? It changes me. I'm a selfish little miser, dude. I know me. If, if God didn't teach me about giving me Give to me what is already mine, the first fruits. I would be a selfish little loser who probably wouldn't even still be married. I'd be divorced I'd, I know because I know me. And I'm so grateful that Jesus saved me. And he taught me. He's teaching me about generosity. Oh, you need something? Here, take mine. Here, you can stay with us. You need help? Here, we're to help you. And can I just say about financial giving, my wife and I, from the moment we got back from our honeymoon, we just made a decision. We will just give 10% back to the church. Why 10%? Because Malachi 3 says that. Deuteronomy says that. It's a starting place. It's not legalism. It's not you have to. And by the way, you don't have to do that to be a, a, a part of our church family. But I want to say this. When you do that from the heart, on the first seven receptacles of the poor widow, there's something greater that happens over here in 8 through 13. Because my heart has changed now. I don't even think twice about it. We do reoccurring giving at Mission Vale Christian. That means our paychecks that we get, just 10% goes right off the top and goes right in. Reoccurring giving, you can do that online. I don't think about, oh, shoot, if I didn't have this, oh, my God, how am I going to make the mortgage payment? I, don't even think, I think if I don't give my first fruits to God, I won't be able to make my mortgage payment. Because God is so good to me, he takes care. So generosity changes us. Generosity changes our perspective. And I just, my own life is a testimony that it changes everything. Generosity gives us a grounding for our faith walk. It gives us the grounding that we need. And generosity, can I just say, is who we are. It's who we are. I'm not talking about just giving your first fruits here on Sunday or at MVCC. It's not just about that. It's about maybe when you're at Wendy's, and you happen to notice it looks like a single parent with three kids in the car, and the car's beat up. It's an old Camry, and it's rusted out, and it just... You say, you know what? I'm just going to pay for the order ahead of me. It's about noticing where we live in our neighborhoods when someone's going through a difficult time and bringing a meal or bringing an encouraging word or just opening our doors and saying, hey, would you like to come over for dinner? And giving back to someone does something here. He wanted us to be obedient in giving. God doesn't need my money. He doesn't. He has everything. But he needs my heart changed. And that's what happens. Even if it's two pennies you're dropping in, if it's from here, it's just as valuable. It's just as noteworthy as the million.
what do we do out of all this? I, I want you to do a couple of things to consider this. Is First of all, to pray. Because at MBCC, you know, prayer is at the basis of everything we do here. I really want you to pray and look to the word in regarding your giving. I don't want you just to do this because, well, you know, Pastor Mike says we should do this and we should do this. I really don't. I, that, that would not make me happy. I, I would want you to search and look at the scripture and what does God teach about that. And then you come to the conclusion out of your own conviction with how much God loves you and he's got a plan. This two is to create your own financial plan that includes giving to God and his work. So my wife and I did, when we got back from our honeymoon, we did a budget. This is how much we make. Uh, this is how much we spend, and we want those two numbers to match. And at the very top, because we did Dave Ramsey stuff, tithing is at the top. We just, we just did that. So that also, can I say, the reoccurring giving, if you do that, it helps us as a ministry. When I say us, I mean all of us, those of us that are planning the budget. We can plan now accordingly on what we want to do next Christmas. What, we, what do we want to do next Easter? What do we want to do next Earth Day? Which, oh, no, we don't do those things as Christian. Oh, really? We should be involved. God said to take care of the earth. So what can we do to financially help the city back in planting trees around our city? We we have to think differently. And if you're able to make those reoccurring giving, it helps us to plan ahead. Does that make sense? The amount you give should not be an afterthought. Please, please. Well, we have a little leftover. If I was to do that to the Lord, I would. that's offensive to my own faith for me to do that. God is worth so much more than an afterthought and the leftovers, isn't he? He's been so, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Jesus. And then um, give to God from your first fruits, not from your leftovers. We talked about that. The amount of money that you give to God should be given regularly and without reluctance. And that's what Paul said in the scriptures. We don't have time to go there, but in Corinthians he says, give the first day of the week as every man apportioned, every person apportioned. So um, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) We're done now. That was kind of weird. I don't have anything else to say, and I don't want to make it flowery or, you know, give you anything to get you emotional about it. I just want us to do it because God says, and he knows what's best, and there's so much good that comes out of it. Amen? Amen. Father, as we close in prayer and just prepare for the closing and having communion and remembering in this worship song how good you are, God, and the cross that you gave us. Not only God to look to, but to carry. We recognize Jesus the cost and the incredible sacrifice, Jesus, that you gave. And so, God, help us search our hearts. And we just stop for a moment to remember, God, that it cost you everything to win us back in salvation. So, Lord, we don't want to hold anything back from you. Our whole life, everything, Jesus, we just. Give it back. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.